This time of year, obviously, brings about commercials and so on for Christmas. It's amazing how early now the advertisements come. If you noticed, if you went into any department store here in Murray or around Murray, even before uh, Halloween was over, they already were moving that stuff to the back and putting the Christmas stuff in the front. Now, what we see on television, of course, in my home is a lot of little kid type shows. And so there are a lot of little kid type advertisements, which means that my little kids really, really like this time of year, especially, it's really funny now, because my almost three-year-old Duke sees a commercial and immediately just points and says, I want that. And it's every commercial. I want that. I want that. And, of course, he does. Now, I have to admit to you that I'm pretty cynical when it comes to commercials. I am not the kind of guy. Now, you may be different than this, but I'm not the kind of guy who watches a commercial and immediately says, I want that. I read the fine print. I just want to say, how much are they trying to pull over on me with this commercial? And my, my oldest daughter, Lucy, is a lot like that. But I tell you what, I'm not very rarely, very rarely rather, am I inspired by a commercial. But there are a couple, a couple of things that tend to get me when I watch commercials. It's the home improvement stores. Now, I don't know about you, but I am awful. I could not build anything. I can't reconstruct anything. I can tear stuff apart, but I can't put it back together. I can't renovate anything. There's nothing like that that I can do. I might be able to paint a room and then ask somebody to come back and fix it for me. That's, That's the extent of it. But I get inspired. When I see those commercials, maybe you're the same way. You know, they, they tell you things like, let's build something together. And I think, all right, let's do that. Let, let's go. I'm ready. You've inspired me. And now, you know, then I walk into those stores and I just, I'm like, oh, man, you know, I can do this. And then I realize, no, you really can't. You're just sort of fired up. And then, and then they tell you stuff like, you can do it. We can help. And I think, you know what? I can do it. And you can help. I'm ready. You know, if I were to begin a project having relatively no experience and relatively no skill with renovating and building and those kinds of things, maybe you're like that. Others who are experts at that, you laugh at people like me, and that's fine. But if I were to begin a project like that, something that I wanted to do to construct or build or renovate, after figuring out how long is this going to take me and how much will it cost, I might say, you know what, I want to try this by myself. So what I want to do then is I've got to find somebody who knows what they're doing. I've got to find an expert who has done this a lot, who knows everything to use and how to use it. I would go to them and there would be a couple of questions I would be sure to ask. One is, what tools do I need to do this job? You see, in my house, I have a screwdriver and a hammer. And that's probably not going to get the job done in most cases. So what tools do I need? And then secondly, after they take me to the tool shop over there and show me what I need, how in the world do I use this stuff? That all looks cool and great, but how do I use it? Those would be my two questions. What do I need and how do I use it? Now, when I think of building something, knowing the right tools and how to use them, I think that fits with what we're talking about in our current series and our current sermon on parenting. Because many of us here this morning are parents and or have been, and you realize how little experience and how overwhelmed you feel. And so I think it's important, obviously, that we know how to do that and that we find the expert who can show us the tools to use and how to use them. 
So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Our series that we're in is called Family Matters. And the idea, obviously, is that family does matter. It matters more than you probably want it to in a lot of cases. And there are matters that every family has to deal with. You may come from a great family, and you're, you're so thankful this time of year as you think about Thanksgiving and Christmas for the, the people that are in your family, maybe those who have gone on before you, maybe those you'll see in the, in the coming weeks and months. For others, family is a very painful kind of thing. It's not what you had imagined. And the idea for, for this sermon series is that we'll look at men, we'll look at women, we'll look at parenting, we'll look at marriage, all these things that go together and make up the family matters that we all deal with. So we've talked about men and the role that men play. We've talked about women. We, we, we're in the third and final series on parenting. What we've seen so far on parenting is the role of the parent two weeks ago to love God and to make Him known to your children. We've seen last week the goal of parenting, the ultimate goal, is to see your children know and live out the truth. And this week, we're going to go to that expert to find out what tools he says we are to use and how we are to use them. Now, there are a few things that I know this morning about any parent who's here, whether you are a parent of young children, older children, or your children have long since left the home. I know that you love your kids. That goes without saying. You would give up your very life for your kids. Now, maybe you don't know how to do that perfectly. You're not sure how to love them best, but you love your kids. I also know that you want to be a really good parent. There's nobody who's in their right mind this morning who would say, I really hope to just ruin everything about my kids. I hope that they hate me one day. I just want to be the most awful parent that I can be. Nobody in their right mind this morning says that. Now, if you're not in your right mind, please don't raise your hand and let us know. We already suspect that, but don't reveal it. But nobody in their right mind says that you want to be a good parent. I also know that you're fully aware that parenting is difficult and it's often confusing. You know, really, parenting is more art than it is science. It'd be great if you could just read a book and they give you four steps to effective parenting and you begin to do those things and everything changes in your home. You know what changes? The look on your kid's face. Well, what are you talking about? You're crazy, Mom. You've lost your mind. You think those four steps are going to work on me. Watch when I wake up on the wrong side of the bed tomorrow. And every day is different, isn't it? It's more art than it is science. And every child is different. Let me tell you, I've got four of them. And they're all four different in a variety of ways. You know parenting's hard and it's confusing. You know, I also know that for every parent here, time is flying. I had three of my children who were down here, and I just look at them and I shake my head. I've only been a parent ten and a half years or so, and it seems just like yesterday that we were at Norton Suburban Hospital in Louisville, Kentucky, welcoming Lucy Catherine Burns into the world. I mean, it just seems like yesterday, and some of you say, well, you just wait, <laughs> and I know. Isn't it amazing how quickly time flies? So if all that's true, if you love your kids, if you want to be a good parent, if you know parenting is difficult and it's confusing sometimes, and you know time is flying, then it, it behooves us. It makes sense for us to say, let's make sure that we use the right tools in the right way. Turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. Some of you might be familiar with where that is. Others may not. It's toward the center of your Bible. If you brought a Bible with you this morning, I'd, I'd encourage you to go ahead and turn there. If you don't know where to find it, look in the table of contents. You'll see the book of Proverbs there listed in the Old Testament section, and you can go to that page number. And if you really are tech savvy and you think it's cool... 
to look up stuff on your phone or your tablet, then by all means, get to the Bible somehow on that. We put a little code there in the middle of your bulletin. You can scan that. Aren't we cool? It will go straight there and tell you all the Scripture. Proverbs chapter 23 is where we're going to be. We'll begin in verse 13. Proverbs, of course, is a book of wisdom. And if there's anything that parents need, it's wisdom. Amen. And I need lots of it every single day. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. So it's to Proverbs that we turn to find out what are the tools that we can use for parenting. Look in verse 13. Don't withhold discipline from a youth. If you beat him with a rod, he will not die. Strike him with a rod. That's kind of funny. Strike him with a rod, and you will rescue his life from Sheol. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will indeed rejoice. My innermost being will cheer when your lips say what is right. Don't let your heart envy sinners. Instead, always fear the Lord. For then you will have a future, and your hope will never fade. Listen, my son, and be wise. Keep your mind on the right course. Just like you need the right tools and to, to, to use them the right way for any kind of construction project, let me challenge you this morning as parents, as grandparents, as those who have parents on your heart and in your life that you can influence, let me encourage you to remember what you already know. And that is that your parenting is only as good as the tools that you use. So choose them wisely. You can know your role and you can set the right goals, but if you're not using the right tools to get there, you'll never get there. Your parenting, just like any project that you take on around your home, your parenting is only as good as the tools you use, so be sure to choose them wisely. I really I find here in Proverbs 23 three general tools that God wants parents to use. The first of which, we'll look at each of these, the first of which is to use appropriate discipline. Use appropriate discipline. Look again in verse 13. Don't withhold discipline from a youth. If you beat him with a rod, he will not die. Strike him with a rod and you will rescue his life from shield. Now, stop right there for a second because that sounds crazy. Some of you are thinking, okay, uh, is that what I'm really supposed to do? Like, and if I'm a kid, am I just supposed to take that? Like, okay, Dad, go ahead. Here's the rod, you know, smack me in the head with it. I mean, what, what are we, how do we read into that? What, what really is, is going on here? Certainly this is talking about some direct physical kind of punishment, particularly for younger children, but this is in general discipline as a whole. But we object to this, don't we? It's a strong language. We say, well, you know, that, that sounds like abuse to me. Now, hold on just a second. Now, I, I will say this, that if you are spanking children out of anger and frustration and out of impulse, then you are tending toward abuse. I will tell you that. That doesn't mean that you're a child abuser. Please don't misread me. But you, you have the tendencies there to get out of control. You've been there. You understand what I'm saying. But if... If your discipline, particularly of the physical kind for younger children, if it is controlled and comes from a loving parent, it's not abuse. It's discipline. It's God-ordained, God-sponsored, God-okayed discipline. God does not in any way give us permission to hit our children randomly to take our frustrations out on them. In no way does God ever, ever, ever condone that at all. And parents, if you're struggling with that, if your anger is getting the best of you, then today, before you do anything else, before you go out to eat, before you talk to your kids, before you do anything, it's time to repent before God and to say, Lord, this anger is getting the best of me. I'm taking it out on people who don't deserve it. 
But this isn't abuse. You might say, well, okay, if I'm to spank my children, won't that teach them to hit? Well, this is, I, I love this one. This is a classic one. Well, I don't want to teach them to hit, so I'm not going to spank them. Again, I go back to the method and how you're doing it. If you are out of control and you are spanking on impulse and out of frustration and anger all the time, then yes, you probably will teach your kids to hit. Why? Because if your kid does something and immediately you reach out and swat them, guess what's going to happen the next time somebody does something to them and they get angry and frustrated and that look like you just gave them comes on their face, guess what they have seen? Well, they've seen mom and dad reach out and swat. Why are my kids hitting each other? It might be, not always, it might be because we're not using spanking appropriately. We're out of control. But if it's under control from a loving, controlled parent, then it's not hitting, then it's a spanking, and I believe they understand then the difference. You might say, well, look, when I was a kid, I got spanked and I didn't like it. And I just want to say, who did? Are you kidding? Who in the world ever liked a spanking? You know, Dad, uh, today... I'm going to do something really boneheaded so that you'll give me a spanking. Well, I just would love that. It'd be so great. I really enjoyed the last one that you gave me. Man, it felt so good. Dad, would, would you mind again, please? I, I'm going to mess up in about 10 minutes. I just want you to be ready. Nobody says that. I, I think probably we look back on our childhood and we say, you know, I didn't like it when it happened to me. And it could be because your parents didn't do it right. There are some folks here, I guarantee you, and I've not heard your story completely, but I guarantee you there could be a person here today who looks back and says, you know what? I've never dealt with what my parents did to me. Really, when I look back on it, they were out of control. And I was, I was really physically abused as a child. Well, the way they went about it was not right. And maybe today you just need to say to the Lord, God, I've got to dump all that stuff with you. You've been walking around broken and wounded for years and years and years, never having resolution on any of that stuff. Maybe the Holy Spirit today tells you, look, bring that to me and let me, let me begin the process of healing you. But just because your parents did it wrong or you didn't like it as a child doesn't mean that your kids don't need it as well. And, and then there's the objection that says, well, look, that's great because you've got four little kids, but i got three teenagers and that ain't working on them. I can't spank a teenager. And I say, you're right. You probably shouldn't try that. We'll get to that in just a moment. How do you deal with some discipline there? Uh, These uh, ideas of discipline and, and, and the objections to them, I think, are countered by some reasons for discipline. If you've got your little insert where the sermon outline is, flip it over real quick. Even if you're not taking notes this morning, play along for just a second and pretend to pay attention. All right? If you would, look at the reasons to discipline. We say, all right, well, here are all the reasons not to. Well, it seems like abuse. I, I don't want to teach my kids to hit. I didn't like it. Or, or, or you know, I can't spank my kids. They're, they're too old. Here are some reasons to discipline. First of all, it demonstrates that you trust God. It demonstrates faith in God. Why? Because God said to do it, so I do it. God says, this is the path to help my kids become the people they need to be, so I will do that. I will trust God that when I discipline my children, that He will be faithful to His Word and will do what He's promised to do. And that is to use that discipline to guide and correct their hearts. Secondly, you owe it to your kids. The words that are used there in verse 13, don't withhold to withhold, that word literally means to keep from somebody what they rightly deserve. You realize that your kids rightly are entitled to discipline from you. 
And if you are not giving them discipline, you are cheating them out of what is rightly deserved in their lives. I don't know where you stand this morning, parents. Maybe you're great at this. Maybe you're not. Maybe you've got a lot of ground to, to make up for. I don't know. But if you are not giving your children discipline, if you're a grandparent and you see that, that those, those kids that are in your life, and th- that your kids are not giving their kids discipline, they're cheating their children out of that. You owe it to them. They're not going to get it anywhere else. Thirdly, it teaches... Immediate consequences, tangible consequences for sinful behavior. We live in a world where sin really is rewarded in most cases. It's not, it's not punished anymore. It's not squashed anymore. It's rewarded. Just watch television. Just watch the video music awards. Just watch, just watch who's most popular, who's most rich, uh, who, who has everything going for them. Sin is rewarded in our world. But let me tell you this, God does not reward sin. He does not. And our children need to understand there are consequences for sin. You know what the Bible says? The wages of sin is what? Death. The payment, the penalty, the consequence for sin, unrepentant throughout your life, is death. And our children need to understand there are consequences. And so discipline helps teach them that. The fourth one is that kids won't learn it automatically. Well, my little kid, he's so sweet. He's just so loving. He would never do anything wrong. Yeah. Now listen, we've seen your kids when you're not with them. You've seen my kids when I'm not with them. I've seen my kids when you're not with them. They're not going to learn this automatically. You know, every one of us is a born sinner with a sinful nature that will cause us to sin. Kids are not going to naturally learn just to do what's right on their own. They need someone to help them, and that's you as their parent, as their influencer. Fifthly, it demonstrates love toward your kids. I love a couple of passages here. Listen to this from Proverbs 3. Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe His discipline. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves, just as a father the son he delights in. And, and then there's, there's some really great stuff over in Hebrews chapter 12. At the end of verse 5, it says this, My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly, or faint when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and punishes every son whom he receives. Endure it as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. You realize that parents who do not discipline their children are treating them as if they are orphaned, as if they are illegitimate, as if they are not really their kids. Furthermore, we had natural fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit more to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but He does it for our benefit so that we can share His holiness. And then this is a great verse. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. I just want to say thanks for writing that in there, because that's something we all know. But later on, he says, however, it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. If you love your kids, you want them to experience the fruit of peace and righteousness, and discipline is required for that. Number six on that list there, it opens doors for influence. I think once they begin to see that you're going to help them get themselves under control, you're going to put some boundaries in line there. You're not just going to let them figure life out on their own. You're not going to let them run wild. I really believe that opens some doors for influence. They begin to say, you know what? Here's a person I can count on. Here's somebody who's there for me. Even if I don't like it at first, this is somebody who's going to be consistent in my life. And then number seven there, it sets a higher standard for your kids. At the end of the book of Joshua... 
after the Israelites have gone into the promised land and they've taken it over, Joshua stands before the people and he says, look, you're going to face all kinds of things that you could give yourselves to. All kinds of things that you could devote your life to. All kinds of gods that you could worship. He says, look, you do what you're going to do. You make your own mind up. But then he says, as for me and my family, we are going to serve the Lord. I can picture his children standing there, and it's almost as if dad is saying, look, let them do what they want to do. We're not worried about them, but as for us, we're going to do it God's way. I really believe that when you begin to do parenting God's way, it raises the standard for your own children and says, look, we're not going to be arrogant. We're not going to hold this over anybody, but we are going to do life and family God's way. That's what discipline does. Those are some reasons to discipline. If you're convinced by now that discipline is necessary, then how do you do it? How do you go about that? You'll see there on the back of that little insert, one of the first things you've got to do is make it age-specific. And when they're young, very young, say infancy to up to about age five, they need to know they're special creations of God and they're under authority. Not one or the other. They need to know both. They need to know, yes, you're special, and yes, God has made you, but they also need to learn that doesn't give you free license to do whatever you want. That means you're under authority. Under God's authority, and here on earth, under mom and dad's authority. So they need to learn the meaning of the word no. You know, that's lost on some kids, isn't it? Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's my kids. Lost on some of them. No, and they just look at you like a deer in headlights. Not sure what that means. Keep reinforcing that. Make sure they understand that. Make sure they know there are boundaries. So some things you can do, you can say, this is when we eat, and if you choose not to eat then, you're choosing not to eat right now. You get it? Okay, choose to eat. This is when we're going to bed, and you will go to bed in here, where we tell you to, and you will stay there until we allow you to get up. This is hard. I'm not telling you this is easy. This is difficult stuff, but kids need that sort of thing. Now, as they get a little bit older, say age 6 to about age 12, the, the discipline changes just a little bit. Certainly there are some spankings that are still needed during that time period. But discipline now helps them to build character. We want them to be able to make right decisions on their own apart from us when we're not with them. And so we try to give them some responsibilities and hold them to that. The other day, uh, Nancy woke up and she wasn't feeling well, so I stayed home. And, and of course, we homeschool our older three children, and, and Duke is there all the time. And so we just sort of took the day off from school because that's probably not what Dad needed to do right then, if you get what I'm saying. And so we went outside. And I thought, we're just going to experience nature today. And so I, I saw the nature that was falling off the trees and decided, no, it's a perfect opportunity. Let's give my kids a little something to do right here. And the one that I thought needed something to do in that moment was my eight-year-old son, Hank. Hank loves to play. He doesn't want to work that much, if you understand what I mean. He loves to play. He's a wonderful kid. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to give him something to do. So I got the leaf blower out. And I told him, I said, Hank, this leaf blower blows air out at 195 miles an hour. It's written right there on the side. And he's just, oh, you know. I said, I need you to blow all these leaves 195 miles an hour right off the driveway. All right. So he gets in and he starts doing it, you know. About halfway through, he says, Dad, I'm kind of tired. That leaf blower blowing 195 miles an hour against an 8-year-old kid is kind of hard to handle. And I said, well, I, I'm, I don't care if you're tired. <laughs> I finished the job. It's during that time when we need to help them understand, look, I'm going to hold you accountable for the things that I've asked you to do. And then as they get older, as they become teenagers, 
The physical discipline in a lot of ways has to go away. I'm not convinced that smacking a teenager in the mouth, pushing them, that kind of thing, is going to really do anything but make them resent you. They don't need necessarily more rules during this time because if all they have are rules and they don't have a loving relationship with you, guess what's going to happen? They're going to go the other way. So it's during the teenage years that the art of parenting takes on a whole new level. Now, I've never been the parent of teenagers, but I've been around enough teenagers to know it ain't easy being around teenagers. It's hard. It's difficult to parent teenagers. I understand that. But let me tell you this. Do all you can during that time to make it age-specific and to relate to them over and over and over. You know what that means? You're not going to get a lot of sleep. You know why? Because they don't want to talk at 9 o'clock in the morning when you're wide awake. They want to talk at about midnight or 1 in the morning or just randomly. They just want to start texting you back and forth. Or they're going to send you a Facebook message from their room when you're sitting in the living room. So send them one back. Communicate with them however it is that they're opening the door for communication. Obviously, they need some discipline. They need some rules. They need some of that. But what they need more than anything is for you to do all you can to keep the lines of communication and lines of love open toward them. There are no guarantees, obviously, that any of that is formula, formula, you know, it's going to be formulatic and it's going to work. And it's, not, it's not that way. But at the same time, I think you've got to keep every opportunity that you can for communication open with those teenagers. That's how you can go about some of that stuff. So this week, when it relates to appropriate discipline with your children, here's a simple thing that I want to challenge you to do is to raise the bar for your kids. Just raise the bar for them. Now, this means that if you're the parent of a younger child, that that you begin the process of first-time obedience. No more counting. No more yelling and screaming till you're blue in the face. No more giving them opportunities to ignore you. It simply means that maybe you go to your children this afternoon and you say, Look, mom and dad have decided, or mom or dad, or whomever, you, you may be the only parent there, I've decided that we're going to work on what we're going to call first-time obedience. Do you know what that means? No. Well, let me explain it to you. That means that when I say to do something or ask you to do something, you do it. Novel concept. It's amazing. And if you choose not to do it, when I ask you to do it, you are choosing disobedience, which will bring consequences. It's all up to you. The choice is yours. You can choose to obey. You can choose to not obey. Totally up to you. Mom and dad aren't really going to be too affected by it because it's your choice. Now, that sounds really simple, but I believe that the process of raising the bar for your children includes this idea of first-time obedience. They're going to need to know at some point and need to respond immediately to something. They're not going to need to wait to a count of three or a count of ten or wait till somebody is yelling and screaming at them. And you can teach them now. Begin the process. Don't come down hard on them the very first time if this is something you've never done before. If your process has been different, be patient. But begin to do it. If you're the parent of an older child, let me, let me challenge you with this. Get them to do something hard this week. Well, they got out of bed. It was pretty tough to get them out of bed. They bang on that door quite a bit. You know, they combed their hair this week. Whew. Get them to do something hard. I don't know what that may be, but challenge them this week. Raise the bar a little bit for them. Don't allow them to let you do everything for them. And let me say this real quick to our young people who are here. Last week, I mentioned that the ultimate goal for parents is not to see their kids get a job and go to college and be productive citizens. 
I said those goals are incomplete, which I stand by and I firmly believe. What I said was the ultimate goal is to see your kids know and live out the truth. Now, if you're a young person, you know what that means for you? If you're going to know and live out the truth, it means that you are under the authority of God and here on earth under the authority of your parents. So guess what? Get a job, clean your room, and do what's right. How about that? Some of you say, well, Mom, leave me alone about it. You heard the preacher. He said I don't have to clean my room anymore because that's not the ultimate goal for me. That's not what I said at all. Don't twist it. Don't hold it against your parents. Let me ask you this, young people. Would you consider this week doing something difficult, doing something that would please mom and dad without even being asked? It gets a little quiet. Nobody said yes yet. They're going to contemplate it a little bit. Would you consider that? Raise the bar this week. A second tool to use for discipline is to provide adequate motivation. Look at verse 15. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will indeed rejoice. My inner being will cheer when your lips say what is right. This dad in Proverbs has got it right, doesn't he? There is something when your kids do what's right and you didn't make them do it. When your kids say something that's, that's right on and, and you just stand back and say, oh my goodness, that's incredible. I'm so, I'm so pleased with that. The motivation, it seems, for this young man in Proverbs is to please his dad in a lot of ways. You realize that motivation comes out of love? He loves his dad, and so he wants to do what pleases him. It's not, not just out of fear. Fear is healthy, absolutely, but, but true obedience has to stem from love. The other day, I was so pleased, I was so proud of Hank. He got up and he said, Dad, can I have the Windex and some paper towels? I said, sure. He said, I'm going I'm to wash the windows. Well, I have to give you the context because a couple of days before, he had come up with this scheme that we owed him money for different things that we never agreed to. It was $2 for this and $3 for that. So I immediately thought, now Hank's trying to scheme here. He's going to wash this and then say, hey, um, why don't you pay up? But you know what, what I said? I, I said, well, Hank, now, we didn't agree that you're going to get paid for this. He said, I know. He said, I just want to surprise Mom. I mean, I, w- I almost fell on the floor. <laughs> But you know what? What he has come to the point as an eight-year-old little boy is that he loves his mama and he wants to do something that pleases her. Isn't that what every parent wants? Isn't that how we are to relate to God himself? Not out of just fear, that well, I better do this or God's going to kill me. I better avoid this or God's going to strike me down. No, instead, I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so because I love Him, as Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. Because I love Him, I'll obey. That, that obedience comes from love. You realize love is based out of relationship, and relationship is built on communication. So this week... This week, if you want to provide adequate, uh, provide, uh, uh, adequate motivation then what I would encourage you to do, and I think I've got it wrong there on the screen. I apologize back there. Daniel's working hard to try to figure out what I'm, what I'm doing. Provide adequate motivation. If you want to do that, it's got to be based upon relationship and out of love, which is based upon communication. So this week, communicate well with your kids. Communicate well. You say, how does that provide motivation? Well, that helps them to know you. They're not going to to know anyone or love anyone. Rather, they don't know. And if they do love you, there's a greater chance they'll have the motivation to obey. So so communicate well this week. The, The basic principle here is simply to seek first to understand and then afterward to be understood. Your kids don't need more lectures. I can let me just speak for them real quick. They don't need more lectures. 
Some of you right now are thinking back 30, 40, 50, even 60, 70 years ago to the lectures you got from your folks. You don't need any more of those, do you? Or you just sit there and take it. And they get done 45 minutes later and they say, now, don't you have anything to say? Like, no, I just need to go lay down. That wore me out. They don't need more of that. They need you to understand them. And so the art of communication here is drawing out of them and helping, helping them to express themselves and, and so that you can understand them. There's some ways that you can communicate. When you do, vary your communication. You'll see there on that insert, you'll see some ways. You can encourage them, correct them, rebuke them. An entreaty is just pleading with them, Lord, my, please listen. He says, my son, listen to me. You can give them instruction or a warning or teaching or listen to them pray and you begin to understand them as you do all of those things. So communicate well. Use appropriate discipline. Give them adequate motivation. And then thirdly, supply legitimate reasoning. Look at verse 17. Don't let your heart envy sinners. Instead, always fear the Lord. This is a dad who's going to tell his son how it is. When we look around, our young people look around, guess what they see? I just mentioned a minute ago. They see that sin is rewarded in this world. And it absolutely is. I cannot tell you, young people, if you're here this morning, I can't tell you that if you live for God, that you are going to be applauded and you're going to be rich and famous and everybody's going to love you. In fact, it's probably the opposite. It's probably the opposite. I can tell you this, that if you will sell your soul out, if you will do whatever it takes to get to the top, whatever it takes to make money, if you'll do anything and everything to please this world, you will likely rise to the top. I'm not going to lie to you. But this dad here in Proverbs says, My son, listen, don't envy sinners. Instead, what you've got to do is fear God. And then he gives him the reason behind it. Look in verse 18. For then you will have a future, and your hope will never fade. This goes way beyond, Dad, why did you say to do that? Why should I do that? Well, because I said so. This is way beyond that. That's not good reasoning. Your kids don't care what you have to say, do they? Oh, because I said so, you better do it. Well, they don't care about that. But when they begin to see the reason behind it, look, don't envy those people who get all the rewards now. Why? Because when you fear God, there's a true future, there's a true hope. And he says, listen, my son, and be wise. Keep your mind on the right course. This is a dad who's trying to help his kid understand the world. Teach him how to think. Not just to look to dad, what should I do, dad? I don't know. But to think on his own. That's part of the, one, the tools that parents have. So how do, you, how do you do some of that? Look there, the last little part of that handout. Always respond in holiness. If your kids see you as unreasonable, as irrational, as out of control, you'll never be able to get them to, to work with you. You're never going to be able to, to talk with them and help them understand the world. They're going to see, well, you just fly off the handle. You're out of control. You won't think. You won't slow your response. So always respond to whatever they do in holiness. Secondly, teach your kids to memorize Scripture. You want their minds to be filled with the reasons God has given to do this and that? It can't be what they see on television. That's not going to give them those good reasons. It's got to be from the Scripture. Teach them to memorize Scripture. Thirdly, talk to them as if they can reason. Don't treat them as if they, they have no brain. 
Obviously, this is age-appropriate as well, but, but when they do something or something happens, one of the things that you can do that's very helpful is to say, okay, tell me what happened. Let them explain it. Okay, here's what you did. Tell me, tell me what you were feeling right before you did that. Whatever kind of emotion it was. I, I was angry. Well, I, you know, I, I was bored. Um, you know, I, I, was, I was sad. Whatever it may be. What were you, what were you feeling? And then, okay, what were you tempted to do in that moment? Well, I was tempted to punch my brother right in the mouth. Okay? What were your other choices at that point that you could have chosen? And then what did you do? You begin to help them reason through. Not just, why in the world did you punch your brother in the mouth? Well, he deserved it. Okay? Um, you, you see, there's a different... Help them reason. Talk to them as if they can. Also, do your homework. Study your kids. Know the world around them. I understand that many of you are appalled by what you see on television. Many of you are appalled by what you see online. I get it, but guess where your kids are? They're in front of the television and they're online. If you don't know what's going on in those worlds, you can't reason with your kids about it. You can't do it. I'm not saying that you should saturate your mind with those things. I understand that we are to be separate from the world. Please don't misread me. That's not what I'm saying. But if your kids are in that world, you've got to do your homework. You've got to know what they're facing so that you can help them. Then refuse to hire somebody out to do this for you. You know, if I've got car problems, you know where I go? Quick lane service at Parker Ford. I know Jimmy Morris there, and I can drop the car off, and they're going to give me something to drive, and I can go do what i got to do, and they're going to take care of it. Jimmy will call me when it's done. Unfortunately, a lot of times what we do as parents is we drop our kids off somewhere, and we say, look, I'm going to sit here while you take care of helping them figure life out. Now, I realize that school is great for education. I realize church is great for helping kids grow spiritually. But there is nothing like you being the main influence. Don't give it up. Don't hire somebody out to do it for you. And then the last little thing on there is to be real with your kids. You see this dad here who's just saying, son, here's how it is. You know, I think we've got so many parents who are afraid to let your kids know why you struggle with things. To, to, afraid to say, you know what, dad's not, not, not perfect. Um, you know, I mess up a lot. And I'm sorry. And I had to do that this week with my kids. I mean, just look them right in the eyes and say, you know, you realize dad's not perfect. I still need the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. I, I'm, I'm going to sin. I still mess up. I, I need your forgiveness and I need God's forgiveness. I had to do that this week. Be real with your kids about what you struggle with. They're, they're not going to trust anybody who seems to have life all figured out. Nobody does. So provide adequate Motivation, legitimate reason, reasoning. And this week with the legitimate reasoning, listen for the why from your kids. Listen for the why. Begin to ask them to delve deep. Help them to figure things out. Why did that happen? Why did this person choose that? Why is this better than that? Why is that not the right thing to do? Listen for the why and then address those things. Really listen for it. What is their motivation? What is their reasoning? Why are they doing the things they do? Why are they drawn to those things? Why are they envying sinners? Listen for the why. You love your kids. You want to be a good parent. You know parenting is difficult and it's confusing. And you know time is flying. Your job is to prepare your kids for life on their own. And so please, I, I beg you... <laughs> Use the tools that God has given you God's way. 
Don't wing it. Don't go on your own. Listen to what Jesus has to say in John chapter 15. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither you can unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing apart from me. This isn't a pep talk for parents. I want you to be pointed to the fact that apart from Jesus Christ, you can do nothing, and that includes your parenting. So the call today is not, all right, I'm going to do better as a parent. The call today is, Lord Jesus Christ, I can do nothing apart from you. And I humble myself before you as a parent. I humble myself before you as a child or as a friend of parents who I need to influence. And Lord Jesus, I can do nothing apart from you. So the invitation this morning for parents is to evaluate. Are you using the right tools? Are you going at this alone? Or are you saying, Lord Jesus, I need you? And maybe this morning you just need to come and kneel here and pray and and say, Lord, I'm... I'm not doing this right. And I want to use your tools the right way and submit myself to you. Or maybe, maybe you're a kid today. You're a young person, a teenager, and you say, you know what? God has been all over me this morning. And maybe I haven't realized it, but God's been all over me because I will not submit to Him and to my parents. I won't do it. And I need to do that this morning. Or maybe you say, you know, I'm, I'm way past this stage of parenting i got some people in mind, I'm going to tell them about this, and they're going to go online and listen to it. I'm, I'm going to hit them with this, but I'm way past that. Who is it in your life? Who is it on your heart this morning that you can come and pray for? In just a moment, we'll close, and you can do business with God right there at your seat. Make whatever decision, commitment it is that the Holy Spirit is drawing you toward this morning, or you can come and pray. I'll be standing here. We'll have a couple of our deacons down front just to receive and, and pray for you. If you say, look, I need help with this. But don't leave today without having made a commitment to use the tools for parenting that God has given you His way. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for the truth in Your Word. We pray that You would challenge us to respond this morning. First and foremost, respond to our need for Jesus Christ. Remembering that apart from you, Lord, we can do nothing. Pray for those who have been for so long going through life on their own, thinking that that they've got it together, thinking that the good will outweigh the bad in the end. And Lord, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would convict them and let them know of their need for Jesus Christ. Lord, for those parents who have just kind of wandered around with their parenting, God, I I pray this morning we'd repent and we would commit to you to do parenting your way. For the young people that are here, God, I pray that they would see the value in submitting to your authority, that it gives them a hope and a future. I pray, Lord, you'd give them the courage and the will to submit to the earthly authority of their parents. Lord, change us, we pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.